Welcome, everyone, to an all-new episode of the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. I, as always, am your host, Joel, and joining me is my co-host in crime, Matt. Hi, everyone. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey. Hey, hey. Joel. Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. <laughs> We're gonna now get we're gonna get death threats now. Jeez, you know I th- obviously for those wondering, you know we're gonna do all the regular podcast housekeeping as I normally do, but I could not think of a better way to open this episode. I really couldn't. <laughs> I just I just had to do it. It's not every day a new comic book meme is born, and it's born. Uh, it was great. And and yet the irony is when you want to stop and look at it, like whispering in someone's ear and going to Hail Hydra has been kind of a comic book meme since the Winter Soldier movie, and now Hail Hydra is a different kind of meme. Yeah, it's an angry meme. It's a double meme. It's a meme within a meme. It's memeception. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, as uh, as I said on the top of the show, there I'm Matt, or no, you're Matt. I'm Joel. What, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm Matt now, just for this podcast. Okay, that's that that's the new rebirthed origins for the comic <laughs> multiverse. I'm Matt, and you're Joel. <laughs> after after this, we're gonna change shirts and channels at the end of the day. <laughs> Is what we're going to do. Matt's going to move to Canada and start showing up at all my appearances. (laughs) But yes, as I said at the top of the show, you are listening to the Comic Multiverse. And as I always like to do when starting this show, I want to send a big thank you message to all the patrons who make this show possible. And a new patron we have this week is, get get this, Matt, listen to this guy's name, Glugenheimer. I get the sneaking suspicion that's not his real name. It's a supervillain. But, but hey, Glugan, if you're out there and if that actually is your name, then you got a badass name, dude, and don't let anyone tell you any different. <laughs> and if they do, buy an island in the Pacific and turn it into a secret lair. Please do, and then get one of those swiveling chairs so when the hero enters your office, you can spin around and you're petting some man <laughs> or a cat. Do you expect me to talk, Mr. Ima? No, I expect you to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for that. With uh, with his pledge of ten whole dollars, so he's really digging the show. Uh, we're back up to eighty. We're back up to where we were before the numbers went down. And in fact, those numbers will be paying out soon for the second month. So again, thank you so much, patrons, for making that one helpful and successful. And also, thank you all the people who have been listening to the show on Podbean. Now, Matt, did you know that we're averaging about two hundred downloads a week now? Wow, that's pretty cool. At least 200 people care enough to download and carry our show around with them everywhere they go. That's pretty freaking amazing. That is. Those those are the type of numbers where if I could and God willing I hope to do this, go to like a marketing person and be like, look, I get this many. Can I get a sponsor for the show? Can I like have this turn a little profit within a profit? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm hoping, man, I'm hoping that's the next step. I mean, you know, Audible, I I may have a foot in the door over there. I may have some people I can talk to about that. So don't be surprised if the next episode of the Comic Multiverse is brought to you by, uh, brought to you by Audible. (laughs) Yeah, Audible. They're a a fine company who empowers creators. I'm going to start with that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's what's going on with the podcast. What's going on with us, Matt? Uh. I, I don't know about you, but it's really hot here in Canada right now. I, I got into the pool. I got into the condo pool for the first time today, and I went for a swim. Really? It's really cold here. Of course. So what were you doing in Australia today? 
I was wearing my Kylo Ren beanie and nice. being all cold and shit. You're being cold and you're also being all Kylo Renny, which means you think you're better than you actually are. <laughs> did you did you smash up a computer console? Did you do that? No, not yet. Not yet. That's the after the show you're going to smash up the computer console. You can't do it now because you know because you're talking. Yeah, I, I could do it now and just cut out, but yeah. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have a show. Then it would just be Joel talking to himself, and he would hate that. Yeah. He does that all the time, though, so. Yeah, just... just, just... I'm really part of Joel's, like, consciousness. <laughs> you are... Like, this is some crazy sort of psychological trip. Matt never really existed. He's just an aspect of my personality given form, and because that's, this is That's podcast. why people are downloading the podcast, because they're like, there's this crazy guy just talking to himself <laughs> for, like, an hour. P- people are trying to profile me, but it ain't working. <laughs> people trying to find out, you know, all, all, all the mysteries... Uh, I, I wanted to find the guy here, too. We had a very nice piece of fan art, uh, too, that I retweeted. But, of course, it's so far down in my mentions, I can't seem to find it. I'll just say, guy who gave me fan art on Twitter, you know who you are. You did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> Th- there you go. Now, now that that's out of the way and now that I have given thanks where thanks are due, I guess we can move on to the news portion of the show, Matt. And not much happened, but some stuff happened. Yeah, and that stuff that happened was big stuff that happened. Yeah, it's true. And uh, obviously, of course, if you couldn't tell by the title of this one, at the tail end of the show, instead of talking about what we read this week, we will be doing a spoiler cast on X-Men Apocalypse. So if you haven't seen it yet, you know, save this one and come back when you did if you don't want it spoiled. But don't worry, just because we're not talking about new comics doesn't mean we won't be talking about DC Rebirth and Captain America Steve Rogers number one. I know everyone's chomping at the bit to hear us talk about it, and we will. Yeah. Which which it's funny. I was telling Matt before we started, I'm like, hey, Matt, have you noticed for one reason or another we haven't talked about what comics we read, what new comics for like three weeks? <laughs> yeah, it's just been like movie review after movie review because they all come out at the same time. That's that's the time of year we're in, man. That's what it is. I mean, you know, we're comic critics most of the year, but then like every couple months we got to put our film reviewer hats on for whatever reason or even TV show reviewer hat when that's a thing. Yeah. Man, man, it used to be cool when it was all about the comics, man, but now everything's changing. <laughs> Bob Dylan was right. The times, they are a-changing. Yeah, stupid comics getting popular. <laughs> That's what he was singing about, Bob Dylan, back then. <laughs> he was talking about comics changing. <laughs> and all this other multimedia we'll have to do to keep up with it. But uh, actually, speaking of multimedia, that's a perfect segue into our first story this week. Uh, hey, Matt, you remember a while back they were talking about uh, the 21 Jump Street guys and the Lego movie guys that they might be working on an animated Spider-Man movie for Fox? Yep. Yeah, we had heard about it, then we heard nothing about it, but there was a big piece of news that came out this week, and supposedly they're toying around with the idea that this animated direct-to-theaters uh, movie should maybe be about Miles Morales and not Peter Parker. That'd be pretty interesting. It'll... Like, obviously separate the two movies and people won't get kind of confused. Which I think you would need to have, and I actually think it's kind of genius in that regard to help differentiate and be like, look, you know, we got the live-action Spider-Man, but hey, here's here's an animated one, and he's totally different. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's more than enough material from, like, those first couple Ultimate Spider-Man arcs. You could tell a hell of a story with Miles Morales. Yeah, yeah, I think he says some pretty good stories. I mean, heck, his origin story was, like, you know, stretched over the first two volumes, and it was great. Heck, make the movie set in the Ultimate Universe if you wanted. 
Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, have it be like a whole interconnected ultimate comic universe because, I mean, isn't the ultimate universe supposed to be the one that's the most easy to digest and the one that's supposed to be the easiest to jump onto? Yeah, it's the most real, quote-unquote. Quote, yeah. Well, real for the, like, early 2000s when it was written. Yeah. (laughs) I love that they're like, yeah, we're going to make comics new and modern by benching them in the current 2000s because these will never age. (laughs) That's that's the problem with trying to make things current, everybody. You end up being older than you think, quicker than you think. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny, you know, Donald Glover, who was out there forever and saying, you know, man, I'd really like to be Spider-Man in a movie. Wouldn't it be hilarious if they got him to voice Miles in this movie? That would be pretty great. I think that'd be pretty damn genius, actually, to get him. There's, uh, Yeah, there's a lot of places you could go with a Miles Morales animated Spider-Man movie, if this turns out to be true. Obviously, it was a rumor, but I hope it's true. Yeah, well, it, it kind of, as I said, it kind of makes sense that they'd need to do something... That sort of differentiates from um, Marvel Studios' take on Spider-Man. They can't obviously just do another one, and then it'll like confuse people. Mm-hmm. And I think because I know, I know when like Amazing Spider-Man came out, there were still people that said like, "Oh, is this a continuation of the Tobey Maguire <laughs> movies?" And yeah, old old Joe, Joe and Jane popcorn there. Uh, it is one of those things, too, where it's like, I think we can agree as comic fans, friggin' Miles Morales' Spider-Man is molten hot right now. Oh, yeah. And he's been molten hot for a bit. He's like one of the few truly new comic characters, even though he's technically a legacy hero, but, you know, are we going to make that distinction, to really take over the world and headline his own book and be consistently written by the same dude as well. Yeah. I I would hope if they did do something like this that uh, Brian Michael Bendis would have, you know, some finger in the pie because Miles is his baby after all. Even just pitch some dialogue, even pitch some of that great Bendisian dialogue for it. Yeah, I imagine he like if they are going to use it, they definitely would come to him since he's sort of you know created him. I mean, geez, you, you couldn't stop him if you said you were making it. He would just show up at your office and be like, "Okay, <laughs> so, so, so where do I pitch in, guys?" Yeah, so, so I wrote this script about two years ago, <laughs> and I want you to use it because I knew it was going to happen. Go team Spider Man, everybody! Huh? Huh? Up top, up top. <laughs> no, nobody. Brian, aren't you like super busy right now doing Civil War? Too? Yeah, but I dropped it all to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just palmed it off on someone else <laughs> yeah scott liddell is gonna be writing it for me oh god don't don't you dare joke about that Joel. <laughs> yeah no that's that that is truly the darkest timeline i would not want to go there <laughs> but uh will we continue on the comic bent and you know we'll, we'll be talking about this more near the tail end of the show but uh i'm guessing if you're anything like me matt you read dc universe rebirth this week Nah, I decided to skip it. Decided against it. You're just like, you know what? I'm gonna go against the curb on this one. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be an outsider. You know, I'm just. Yeah, I mean, if all my friends jumped off a bridge, would I do it too? <laughs> <laughs> just, just mad. Decided this week to be the ultimate comic hipster and be like, no, I refuse to read. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna read Valiant this week. <laughs> <laughs> and you just ticked off all the Valiant fans who Valiant aren't hipster, man. It's a deep, interesting lore. And you're probably right. Matt and I just don't have time to read it on top of all the other stuff. <laughs> I hear amazing things about Valiant. I'm sure yeah. they're great. I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> Valiant is like this party everyone's having, and me and Matt are just on the outside of the glass, you know, pr- pressing our faces up against, and we're just like, oh. That looks fun, yeah. but I, I got to read the next mega event. <laughs> you know what it is? 
in the opening of the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or is it Willy Wonka and the Chocolate I always mix up which one is which. The original one, where it's like all the kids are inside singing and dancing. Yo, the candy man can. Me and Matt are outside. We're both little Charlie Bucket, just like, aw. Aw, no. <laughs> Which, which that scene always bugged me because that dude was clearly giving away free candy and yet Charlie yeah, wasn't yeah, smart yeah, enough. Charlie's out there like, oh, I wish I could have some free candy. Dude, go inside. He's clearly <laughs> – like that candy man is clearly just making it rain all over the damn place. <laughs> just come on. Get, get yours, man. Get yours. No, no, I can't. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'll just let this creepy man come and give me a chocolate bar. Yeah, really. <laughs> Only, you know, instead of the candy man can, it would be you and me on the outside, and they'd be like, the valiant man can, cause he makes it with Exo Man of War and never judges you. <laughs> that's what it would be. Oh, okay, fan artists and fan photoshoppers, that's your homework for this week. Superimpose me and Matt into that scene. <laughs> Just some guy dancing up and down with Valiant. That's what you gotta do. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. Now, where the fuck was I even going with this? Oh yeah, DC Rebirth. So, uh, here's hoping you did buy it when it came out. Here's hoping you did get a chance to read it this week because guess how much a second printing of the book is going to cost you? It's going to go up. Five ninety nine. Even after DC swore they would only sell it for two ninety nine. This was their plan all along. Yep. Get you hooked. The first taste is always free when you're dealing with a drug pusher. The first taste is free. Mm, yeah, got get that good Wally West up under your gums. Yeah, you like it, don't you? Five ninety nine. The price just went up. <laughs> and it, it doesn't like, really come with anything else except like the front cover now. Uh, just reveals the hand that Superman was going to touch on the front cover. But beyond that, it is the exact same comic yeah. with a different cover. That <laughs> yeah. seems lame. That seems kind of bullshit, honestly. Yeah, if they included stuff like like sketches or uh, something, uh, then I could understand. Wouldn't but be, yeah, wouldn't be hard. Hell, just you know, d- have a freaking forward in there from Jeff Johns being like, you know, this is this is what I meant to do when I went in. This is what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that always bugged me, because obviously, you know, you and I love movies very much. One of the coolest things about movies is you get commentary to go along with them. Comics rarely ever get uh, commentary. I know there was a guy out there, he was doing one of the DC Digital series, but he had a YouTube channel that was literally just dedicated to him taking you through the comic and doing his own commentary on it. That That's cool. That's a great idea. More writers should do that, but then I'm like, oh, most comic writers are too busy to talk about their old work because they're already busy working on the next one. Yeah. They, they, they should offer that more. I think that's a cool idea. I, I, I think there's a lot of money to be made in that, or at least a supplemental income for a hardworking comic writer to just open up a, a YouTube channel that's nothing but their commentaries on their books. <laughs> Because I, I would watch it. I would subscribe. I want to know what Jeff Johns was thinking when he did this and that. I want to know how he picked his words. I want to know what his inspiration was. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, I'd be I'd be all for that. I would I would listen to him talk. Yeah, and it'd be good as well for, like, people who want to write as well because it gives you a little bit of insight about his process. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is it's a great untapped idea out there. Hey, DC, hey, Marvel, if you're listening to us, you should do something like that. And also, don't charge five ninety nine for a comic yeah. that was two ninety nine. last You should week. come pay me and Joel because we just came up with that idea. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, or, you know, or I'll just take a bunch of copies of DC Rebirth second printing that I will turn around and sell for ten ninety nine a piece. <laughs> 
<laughs> and when people ask me, Joel, that's really scummy, I'll be like, hey, supply and demand just went up. You saw supply and demand go up. <laughs> Don't sit there and tell me you didn't see it. I'll just be one of those drug dealers down in the corner with a big trench coat, only instead of drugs, I open it up and I just have copies of DC Universe Reaper. <laughs> yeah, you want it, don't you? <laughs> Not that bad, I don't. So, yeah, that's that's DC Reaper's second printing. Kind of sucky if you didn't buy it right away, although I get the feeling most people who wanted to read it bought it and read it. Yeah. And uh, moving on from DC to some Star Wars, some stuff that I'm sure that will make Matt and I very happy. Apparently, Star Wars Rebels Season 3 is going to premiere at Star Wars Celebration 2016. Yeah, which means the season should start probably a week after that. I'm excited. Especially after last season. They did some crazy shit at the end of last season. Yeah, and I don't know whether you've been following Dave Filoni on Twitter, but like he's been putting out like little teasers and stuff like parts of images and everything and people have been trying to figure them out and oh it's they've just been just cock teasing us i mean last season was basically the empire strikes back of season finale so where are you gonna go now yeah it's gonna be really cool oh can't wait for it rebels is my jam rebels is so good Uh, let me ask you a question matt because you would know this better than i where is star wars celebration had and can anyone attend yeah anyone can attend um it I think it changes almost every time. I think this this year there's one in London. Oh, nice. And there was something going on in Orlando, Florida as well. Oh. Hey. Um, I think that might be another one as well. Hey, comic multiverse universe out there, if you know anyone with an end at Star Wars Celebration who would like the comic multiverse to come and cover it, we happily would. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm waiting for it to like say like, oh, it's gonna be in Australia. Oh, wouldn't that, if that was the case, I would so fly out there, and we would have to do that. Oh, I'd be like first in line. It would be hard to catch Matt at that point if Star Wars Celebration came to Australia because he would literally just be on cloud nine. You would have to like have a rope to try and bring him down because he'd be flying <laughs> so high. <laughs> I'm just saying you could run an engine off his hype. Like, his excitement could literally, you know, power all the lights in a building. <laughs> I, I'd, like, buy the VIP ticket. Nice. And, yeah. Oh. What do you get with the VIP ticket? Well, you get to come and you get to brush George Lucas's beard. I'm actually looking at it right now. You get, like, access to, like, everything. Nice. And, like, T-shirts. <laughs> do, do I get to talk to Freddie Prince Jr. for a little bit? Can I do that? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, you, you can skip cues for autographs and oh, stuff. Oh, nice. Just be like, very important person, very important Star Wars person, get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> You'll have, like, like Mr. Burns, you have, like, a lightsaber cattle prod. Oh, nice. Just, like, cattle prodding people out of the way. <laughs> Dance for my amusement. <laughs> forget, forget the Jedi mind trick for getting through lines, man. I got the VIP pass, which is better than any Jedi mind trick. You, you just wave <laughs> that in front of people. Credits will do fine. These are not the fans you're looking for. Oh, <laughs> uh, good times. Can't wait for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Now, yeah. uh, now we talked a lot about – well, we haven't talked a lot about it yet, but we mentioned DC Rebirth, and we're going to be talking about it a lot. So, obviously, apparently everybody's got reboot fever, and this is a piece of news that kind of got buried in the shuffle this week because 
everyone was yelling about different stuff in the world of comics this week. But apparently, uh, Marvel is set for another reboot soon enough, or at least what seems to be a reboot. They're calling it Marvel Now, but wait, you already had a thing called Marvel Now. <laughs> yeah, so shouldn't it be called Marvel Then? Marvel Then. I, 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 when I wrote it down in my notes, I said Marvel Now Again 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I read another thing that said Marvel Future, and I'm like, well, why didn't you just call it Marvel Future? I'm like, oh, because eventually it won't be the future, and it'll seem really dumb that it was called Marvel Future. <laughs> it'll, see, it'll be the present and then the past. Yeah, you don't you don't want to get into one of those eternal who's on first arguments with that, <laughs> where it's just circular logic that never ends. This seems weird for Marvel. I, at first, I, I didn't believe the story. I thought the story wasn't true. I'm like, no, no, no. This is this is too ironic to have this story launch the same time as the whole DC Rebirth thing. But yeah. no, it seems to be legit. Yeah, it's... I don't know what they're doing. It's so weird. Why now and wasn't the whole point of Secret Wars to kind of try and do, like, a soft reboot for everything and to make everything more accessible, only you didn't? Yeah, yeah, the all-new, all-different stuff. The all-new, all-different that was actually all more of the same, all not so different. (laughs) In fact, very few of the books skipped a beat at all. (laughs) Seems an odd choice, doesn't it? I mean, honestly, the Marvel Universe as it is right now, I I don't think it has any problems. I don't see what you could gain by rebooting it. And I'm sure people would say, oh, well, bring it closer to the movies and TV shows. They're already really fucking close. Yeah, that, it's true. We have, like, teams that are basically, oh, that's because they're in the movies. Outside of Precious... There's an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. book. There is, yeah. I mean, outside of Precious Few Things, I can't think of anything you would gain from rebooting the universe completely. Yeah. Unless this is, like, a strictly cold calculated, well, we need to compete with DC even more now, so we need to put two books a month out for all our biggest titles. Well, actually, they do that already, too. Yeah, <laughs> they put two out a month for their biggest stuff. Do they have a two ninety nine thing, or are Marvel books more expensive now? I feel like I should know this. I, I don't think so. I think they are more expensive. Okay, maybe that this is some new thing, so they too can offer a two ninety nine thing because that's the big fear of the future in comics: the fear of a five dollar comic future. Yeah, which obviously that's five dollars American. So for Matt and I, we're like oh, five dollars. What? <laughs> yeah, it's like. $20 me. <laughs> yeah, really. $20 for poor Matt in Australia. <laughs> He's afraid of a $30 comic future. <laughs> Man, he's afraid of a comic future where it's like, oh, hey, you want to import that new book? Okay, but I got to kick you in the balls first for it. Oh, that, that seems excessive. But, mm. <laughs> we have to take your family hostage and put them in internment camps. <laughs> ah, you know, that seems excessive, but I really want to know what happened with Superman this week. So, okay, make it quick. <laughs> kick punch down. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, that was really all the news there was this week. Admittedly, there was very little to talk about in terms of news, but a lot to talk about in terms of books. Now, Matt, because you're my co-host and because I care so much, what would you like to discuss first of the two major earth-shaking books that came out this week? Would you like to talk about DC Universe Rebirth number one first or Captain America Steve Rogers number one first? Mm, I think... We should talk about Captain America. Okay, cool. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll start with something a little bit more antagonistic and end with something nice and positive <laughs> and then do X-Men, which might be antagonistic or positive. I'm not sure yet. 
So yeah, Captain America in this new issue from Nick Spencer, who of course you all remember from Superior Foes, and Ant-Man, the guy who more or less did the outlines of Standoff, the guy who's been doing Sam Wilson, Captain America. His new book hit today, and wouldn't you know it, uh, they seek to imply that Captain America (laughs) might have been a secret Hydra sleeper agent for 75 years. (laughs) And it pissed a lot of people off. Oh my god, this is like a sort of anger and rage I have literally not seen since Superior Spider-Man. That's the last one I can remember. I don't even think people got as angry over Dick Grayson becoming Grayson. Yeah, it, like, the stuff I've just seen from this is just... I I saw a video of a guy buying the comic, taking it outside, and burning it. They did that for Superior, too, and you know what? They they still got your money, dumbass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, like, commented on the video, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot, they still got your money. Dan Slott famously, when Superior Spider-Man, there was a dude who bought a copy of the book to flush it down his toilet, and he tried, but the comic ended up stuffing up his toilet, so he couldn't <laughs> flush it down all the way, and Dan Slott's like, I feel vindicated here. <laughs> Oh, Dan Slott, don't ever change. I know, he's 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 Trollmaster Supreme, and I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love his little, I would love to pet him on his little bald head and be like, keep doing what you're doing, man. <laughs> uh, even if the last couple Spider-Man arcs have been lackluster, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start with this, because I was just taken aback by how silly the anger and the rage was. Yeah. I'm like, guys, it's the stinger... In the last page of yeah, the comic. of the first issue. It's like... Have, you have a whole ongoing. Yeah, I know. It's like, have you ever read a comic before? Crazy shit like that happens at the end all the time. Yeah. Are these are these the same people who are like, oh no, he really died there? Yeah, and this is like another thing. Is like, it, it's not just going to be as simple as he's a Hydra agent. Because we saw, we had not. those like... Um, flashbacks to 1926 or something uh, where his mother and him are inducted into the hydra society supposedly we don't even know where that went yeah that that woman has got like a red scarf and you know red skull is back and which which last time we saw red skull he had professor xavier's mind control powers and I got. I got to say that was a really cool image. Those flashbacks because it's all like sepia tone, black and white, like yeah. it was at the time. Except for the Hydra woman who has a red hat and a red bow and everything. I'm like, ooh, how Sin City. Yeah, yeah. Like when I, when I was reading it, and um, I like saw her. I'm thinking like she's got to be like related to Red Skull or something, or hydra or something and it turns out she was because you know that red it, it sort of sets it off it's synonymous yeah it's it, i thought it was a really clever twist too because you know she comes to captain america's mom who is being abused by their shit heel of a father if you'll remember from the remender run and you know she comes with a stretched out hand as a friend and everything and says oh you know you and your son are destined for great things i head up a local civic organization of like-minded individuals trying to take back our community and, you know, hands the flyer for Hydra. Did you know that's, like, a reference to a real thing? Like, there were actual Nazi clubs in North America before World War II. I believe it. Yeah, not just in America, in Canada, too. Like, out in Montreal, there was, like, the Montreal Nazi chapter. <laughs> yeah, because that's how pervasive, like, weird fascist thinking was even then. And, of course, Nick Spencer, being the politically-minded individual that he is, tries to draw parallels to that and what's going on in the major American election right now by essentially turning Red Skull into Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, that was great, that little speech he gives to that guy. 
uh, who ends up blowing himself up. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Red Skull is Trump and ISIS at the same time. Yeah, and the, guy, the guy's like, he doesn't believe in it at the start, but at the end he's like, make America great again, make yeah. America great again. Ma- like, Red Skull basically says, believe in me and I will use my Nazi ideology to make America great again. <laughs> and and everyone is buying it hook, line, and sinker. It's like, yeah, you know, he's a Nazi, but he's a self-made Nazi, so you gotta believe what he has to say. He's, he's a political outsider, this Red Skull guy, you gotta understand. <laughs> you know, he's not corrupt like all these other politicians. With him, you get what you get, you know, what you see is what you get, literally because he has no skin on his face. <laughs> what a man with no he's, skin. he's got nothing to hide. <laughs> Would a man with no skin on his face lie to you, man? <laughs> uh, I, I thought that was hilarious. And, uh, and also kind of sad, too, because, like, the suicide bomber, they give you, in small snapshots, his entire life comes from a broken home, had to steal to support himself, wasn't racist when he went to jail, but had to join the Aryan Nation to survive. It's those guys yeah. who hooked him up with Red Skull because he couldn't get any work anywhere else because he had a criminal record. And I'm like, yep, here's, here's how a person becomes a fanatic in just a couple pages. You, have, you, you feel sorry for him. You feel very bad for him at the end of it. And obviously that's the story Nick Spencer's trying to tell that no one seems to be able to, or at least everyone who got mad didn't seem to read. Where it's like, no, 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 he's talking about how easy it is to fall into the trap of fanaticism and zealotry. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously Captain America's not going to be, you know, revealed to be a Hydra guy. It's going to be so much more complicated than that. I mean, just think, yeah. for, just think for a second how stupid Hydra would be to help create the man who kicked their ass for 75 years. Yeah, yeah and then be like, oh, fuck, he was one of us. Let's give him the code word or whatnot. Yeah, really. Let's, uh, <laughs> let, let's give him a pin. Here you go. Here's your own special Hydra <laughs> pin. <laughs> it's it's funny too, you know, this this issue was also a really organic kind of continuation of standoff because he got to check back on in with uh, Zemo, who had escaped yeah. at the end of that with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Thor Doctor, Dr. Selvig. And, and you know it's a Nick Spencer book because he puts a funny moment in with D-list villains because Zemo's trying to recruit a new team uh, to be like the masters of evil and they're all a bunch of losers like plant man <laughs> <laughs> and they're like well do do we get paid now or later though yeah the new masters will rise which is hilarious because if you read the last issue of uh, astonishing ant-man he has a whole scene where a bunch of d-list villains are playing poker and say never work for one of the nazis zemo zola reds never work for them because they will always find a reason to kill you instead of paying you <laughs> it's when you read all these nick spencer books he's he's weaving this great tapestry between <laughs> between all these different books it's hilarious <laughs> Uh, also, I like they kind of built the Captain America family in this book. You have uh, Rick Jones, who is actually paying off his debt to society by working for S.H.I.E.L.D., considering that he Edward Snowden to them in standoff. Yeah. And then you get uh, Free Spirit and Jack Flag, two, like, really weird, obscure uh, Captain America characters who they oh, really Oh, God, so into obscure. <laughs> Super obscure, and I'm like, I like it, though. I like that uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. patriotic hero initiative is more than just Captain America. I like there's a bunch of other star-spangled weirdos. Yeah. And they even sit down and talk about how weird their history is, where it's like, hey, remember when you were on the Guardians of the Galaxy? Hey, remember when you were first created, you were designed to hate and want to kill all men? Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember when Captain America was a werewolf? So literally, right there, they're already foreshadowing the weirdness of Captain America as Hydra sleeper age, but no one who got mad seemed to pick up on that. 
No, all the, like, it's all the people getting mad of all the people who, like, just started reading comics and just think that, like, the most recent Captain America run is, like, the only Captain America run. Now, in fairness, not to generalize, some people had some other issues, too, where it's like, well, don't you think it's a little uncomfortable to take a hero who was created by two Jewish men as a way to fight back against Nazi oppression and making him like a Nazi sleeper agent, Nazi spy, and to which I would say, you know what? Like Simon and Kirby, the two guys who invented Captain America, they were writers and artists first and Jewish yeah. third, I'm sure, and I'm sure they would respect that. Even Stan Lee came out today and said, you know what? That's a clever idea, true believer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, like, I don't think they would care as long as it's like a good written story and and in an amazing moment of coming together writers from both dc and marvel all came out of the woodwork to you know to support nick spencer in the move which is kind of beautiful yeah they're like you know let the man tell his story comics are a long form art form you can't judge it after one issue if you hate it after issue two that's fine but you know don't you know don't judge too quickly yeah, that, that's why I don't like when people say, oh, I didn't like that issue because it didn't do this or this, and it's like, it's the first issue. Yeah, I mean... It's not going to, like, tell you everything mo- in the first issue. Most comics don't get rolling until, like, you know, issue three at the very least. Yeah, yeah. they got to set up the story. It's like the first act. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for people who are complaining, being like, oh, you know, why is Captain America so overly politicized? And I'm like, his name is Captain America. <laughs> He wears a flag. He is literally a walking, talking flag man, an embodiment of America. Of course, <laughs> his stories are going to be political. <laughs> That's just kind of the nature of the beast on this one, I hate to tell you. <laughs> and I mean, geez, I mean, if you want to even look back at this historically, at the height of the Nixon administration, after Watergate and everything, Captain America said, screw America, and went off and became nomad because he was so angry with how things were being done. Yeah. And in doing so, donned one of the ugliest hero costumes of all time. <laughs> Seriously, for those who have never seen the original nomad costume, I will wait for you to Google it. It is hands down one of the hideous, most hideous costumes of all time. He's got like a plunging neckline and like disco pants. It's really bad. He's got like one of those gambit masks that like leaves your hair open. It's it's not good. It is, yeah, super weird. And another one that, you know, that I'm always bringing up, uh, Ed, Ed Brubaker, of course. At the height of the Bush administration and the war in Iraq, they killed Captain America. Yep. Sending a huge message that in the eyes of the writers in Marvel, America was dead. Mm-hmm. So what So what should that tell you about Captain America and politica, uh, politicization, especially now that we're in an election year? And I know election yep. year, you know, for me and Matt, I mean, not for me and Matt, for you guys, but not for us. And you know, and this brings me back to another thing. I'm sure I'm sure I told you last week or I don't know if people listen that far on the podcast, but some uh, some commenter was actually giving Matt and me shit for talking about American politics, to which I say, you know what happens in your country affects us, right? Especially mine, being your closest (laughs) neighbor and closest trading partner. To quote the Phantom Menace, we form a symbiote circle, you and I. What happens to one will surely affect the other. It's true. I don't think people realize that, like, all the countries are sort of connected economically and financially as well and what happens in one country affects everything else who declares war where and who has the key to all the nukes is really something we should all be concerned about yeah, remember this little thing called World War II? I, rem- I remember something. I remember watching a movie about that one time. That was the one with the vampires, right? 
Oh, oh, <laughs> that was that was the one where Brad Pitt killed Hitler, wasn't it? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I'm thinking of Blood Rain. Sorry, the historical documentary <laughs> Uwe Boll's Blood Rain. <laughs> Actually, I think that was Blood Rain Three with the vampire Nazis. <laughs> so not only is Joel remembering a terrible video game movie, but he's remembering a terrible threequel of bad video <laughs> game movies. <laughs> But yeah, so that's Captain America. I think Matt and I can both agree the outrage is silly. I liked what the comic was throwing down. But then again, I might hate it in issue two and three. So there you go. Yeah, it could easily change. It could easily fall in its face. And I will admit this is one hell of a balancing act. And they better have a good reason at the end of this, especially after all the blow up. They better have a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> for everything that's going on. Or I'm going to be double pissed for defending them so hard if they didn't have a good reason. <laughs> I'm going to feel really stupid because it wasn't here uh, over on the poll for those who uh, don't watch that over on uh, Comic TV. We we had like an hour-long conversation discussing it, and it got really deep and really political and everything. And, of course, the comment section on that video, as you might guess, was just just a cheery, accepting place. (laughs) (laughs) I I believe the words Canadian pussy were thrown my way. A couple times. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I, I believe a, a, a very cheerful individual who I'm sure is a bright penny and a great hit at parties is saying, oh, who wants to hear a, a, an ugly woman, a Canadian pussy, and some douchebag talk about uh, America? You guys just hate patriotism. This is part of the liberal conspiracy to, <laughs> to, to regress America and destroy all patriotic icons. And that dude was extra stupid because the douchebag he was talking about actually served in the military and was actually a soldier. <laughs> Soldier. Yeah, it took air. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm not going to burn you on this one because the other guy should burn you on this one. <laughs> the other guy would just scorch earth with him. Yeah. <laughs> Fun story. The guy in question took his military pension when he was done and actually started up his YouTube channel with that money. Oh, that's so, that's so, so you can't see it, but I got two middle fingers up right now, guy, and you can sit <laughs> on these and spin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? From that, you know, admittedly, uh, c- kind of hot topic. I'm not gonna lie; it's a hot button topic. Everyone feels different ways about Captain America. I don't claim to be right or wrong. It's just the way I personally feel. To something I think we can all agree with was totally freaking awesome from start to finish, and that was DC Rebirth number one. Oh my god, it was perfect what a beautiful love letter to the DC that Matt and myself remember and have been pining for. It, it, oh, I, I don't know where to talk. Start is amazing. Everything about it was amazing. Let's let's take it page by page. For one, Wally West is back. The one everyone has wanted back. He's returned. He's exactly how you remember him. And better still, they come up with a wonderful organic reason to bring him back. Yeah, yeah. It is a great reason. It absolutely great. And I, I actually got a Twitter. I'm not a Twitter. A uh, YouTube comment saying like. Well, why did you like Rebirth with the whole Flash thing when Batman vs Superman did it first? And I said, well, here in the comics, there's a precedent for it. It's Thank you. you know part of the story. It's everything. It's not just something that happens and is never talked about it's, again. It's also something they set up in the pages of Titans Hunt. If you yeah. were reading that, they tell the yeah. story of have the original Ten Teen Titans fighting Mister Twister, who, who they've reimagined now as like some Freddy Krueger like character who only has power so long as you remember him. Him dying, going to the Speed Force, Lilith wiping everybody's minds to never remember him and to kind of see history go on without him. Yep. 
and yet him always kind of being there. Uh, while we're on the subject of Wally, brilliantly how they managed to bring original Wally in, Ginger Wally, without burying new uh, TV show uh, equivalent Wally. Yeah, they made him his cousin. Yes, the cousin saying, you know, he is he is as related to Barry as I am to Barry. He is my cousin, and we were both named after our great-grandfather, Walter. So there you go. Yeah, that, oh, that was perfect. And because I wasn't around, history took another course, wherein he got yep. powers, he got trained. I'm like, that's beautiful. Now we have two Wally West. That's perfect, and it makes sense. Yeah, there's one for the new people and one for the old people. Exactly. And that Wally, the one that we all remember, Ginger Wally, it's going to be hard trying to keep these apart. Uh, n- new Wally, classic Wally. <laughs> well, call, call, new, call one new Wally and the old Wally Kid Flash. Kid Flash, there you go. Well, that, that, that's, the, that's the annoying thing is that we already know new Wally, TV show Wally, will be coming Kid Flash and will be going <laughs> to the Teen Titans comic. Does that mean old Ginger Wally is going to have to pick up a new name? I don't know because I know he's getting a new costume. He is getting a new costume, which, what a beautiful reveal that was if you read to the back of it. Hey, here's new Titans, everyone, starring Wally in a brand new costume. Yeah. I, I wonder, is anyone using Impulse right now? Can he call himself Impulse? <laughs> <laughs> he just looks around and like, is anyone using this name? No? Cool, mine now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how the other guy stole his, uh, his code name, so why not? <laughs> But yeah, so that's awesome. I mean, leave it to Jeff Johns, a character who wrote Wally West as the Flash for years to kind of have this love letter to bring him back. Oh my god, when he when he was fading away, when he was fading into the Speed Force and he says That was so great. He says a heartfelt goodbye to Barry and says, you know, thank you for being a mentor and teaching me what it means to be a hero, to know that every second counts. I'm not going to lie. I teared up a little. I don't tear up much when I'm reading comics, but that was such a touching moment. It, it was, and it was a hero moment as well, because even though Barry didn't know who this guy was and what he was, he could have been anyone, he still saved him he pulled... and reached into the Speed Force and got him. What a badass moment for Barry, too, to be like, no, no one dies today. I will reach into the goddamn Speed Force itself and pull you out. <laughs> What a cool-ass moment for him, and then to have all the memories flood him back and be like, how could I forget Wally, my best friend, my sidekick? Yeah. They they give the most broy hug of all time when they hug each other. It's wonderful. <laughs> so so wonderful, so beautiful. And then, you know, after that, it's like a cavalcade of old 52 faces coming back again. Um the original Doctor Fate, okay, right on. Yeah, yeah, he just like appears out of nowhere. I'm like did I miss something in that Doctor Fate book? I get, what, what's I, going on? I, I guess all new revitalized Doctor Fate didn't catch on like we thought it would. <laughs> and I'm like, can't be Earth Earth Two Doctor Fate because his helmet's still destroyed. <laughs> so yeah, this is the one we remember. No doubt, him and the old Johnny Thunderbolt are probably there to help set up some Justice Society of America book. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. That's going to be good, especially because they pr- they pretty much said it on the back of the preview page, where it's like, yep, hey, remember that story where they got trapped in hourglasses? Uh, well, that's still canon now. Yeah, oh, this is going to be so good. I mean, Justice Society of America, I guess we can take that to mean no more Earth 2, huh? I, I don't know, because there's, Earth 2 is still ongoing. There's an issue coming out in, like, not next week, but the week after. Oh, I mean, uh, I don't doubt the world will still exist out there. I just get the feeling we're not going to get any more stories told in Earth 2. 
You think? I don't think they're going to kill off the world, but at the same time, it's like, look, people just want the Golden Age characters. They don't care how they get them. Let's just do it the old-fashioned way. That sucks, because I like Earth 2. I know you do. You've probably been one of the biggest cheerleaders for Earth 2, and I liked it for the longest time, too. I wish there was something they could do. Actually, you know what you do? Uh, So, obviously, I mean, just Society of America, I don't doubt they're going to have some hawks on the team. Finagle some way that Earth 2 Hot Girl, the one they've built up, who's really cool and really interesting, fandangle some way for her to fall through time and space and join the new JSA. <laughs> there, there you go. And, and then do some shit with Hawkman to have him on the team, too, because fucking, fucking Hawkman has been in a terrible, terrible swirl of bad ideas since the new 52 started. Let, let him be part of something good. <laughs> Like, no no one should suck that bad. Like, what crime did Hawkman commit that he is just forever suffering? <laughs> just bad book after bad book, bad decision after bad decision. Uh, some other new characters, or well, old characters who came back. Uh, Jackson Hyde, who yeah. actually is, like, the basis uh, for Calderon in Young Justice. Yeah, he came back. That was kind of surprising. Or, or is it the other way around? I know I got this into this conversation. Actually, I think Calderon came first, but they invented Jackson Hyde. They were invented around the same time. They're basically the same, even though they don't share the same name. Yeah. And I think they're both uh, Black Manta's son, so there you go. Yeah. So we got him, which means we'll be getting an all-new, all-different, all-cool Aqualad soon. Uh, Jaime Reyes teaming up and hanging out with uh, Ted Kord. That was a lot of fun. Oh, the, the the look on Ted Cord's face when Doctor Fate said the scarab was magic is just so great. Sheer sheer perfection, and even more than that, you know, if you know your Blue Beetle lore and history, that's great because it used to be magic uh, back when yep. the first Blue Beetle had it. Then they changed around and went, no, 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 it's alien super science, and now they're changing it back again. Yeah, oh, that's great. I I have to wonder is the reason they changed it back. Because Jaime never worked well as like a super science cosmic book, are they like you know what? let's let's change it around now and be like okay now, like now you're magic now you're part of the magic universe Jaime how's how's that sound? Yeah, it's it's gonna be really weird. It is gonna be weird to see him so taken out of his element. It feels it feels like they're rolling the dice with Blue Beetle. Like they never knew yeah. what to do with the character. Well, I mean, it's, it's obvious they never knew what to do with the character, even when he was molten hot and fans loved him. They never knew what to do with him. Now they're just kind of like, oh, is is this what you want, everybody? Is this it? <laughs> do you want to like this? I wonder. Uh, I, I wonder if they're gonna talk about uh, the original Blue Beetle now that they've changed around and made it all magical. I think they will, and maybe they'll probably say like maybe it was a copy or something. Well, shit! If he's uh, if he's gonna be old now and everything, if he comes back, maybe maybe old timey Blue Beetle should be on uh, should be on the JSA. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, put put all the old guys on there while you're at. You might as well. Yeah, it's not like they're doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> they're literally just collecting dust and eating early bird specials. <laughs> I, I can't think of a better way to do it, honestly, than to have them all be on one super awesome, super old team. <laughs> that would be cool. You know, they they, they got to save the world before Matlock. <laughs> and they will. All the time. <laughs> unless uh, they fall asleep. Unless they fall asleep, like old people do. But you know what? That's fine, because they do more in the early morning hours than our, than us young people do all throughout the day. 
<laughs> that's that's why crime will never stop because they're up early fighting the crime before it starts. <laughs> uh, goddamn! <laughs> I'm glad no old people listen to our show. That that's very ageist of us, man. <laughs> stop being ageist. Uh, what were some other cool cam? Goddamn, there were so many freaking cool cameos. Oh, oh god! I mean, the thing that melted my heart as a Green Arrow fan when Wally, who is looking over this new world, this new 52 world, basically he's like going on a road trip is what he is, and he's giving his commentary on what's going on. And he sees the lack of love in this world and saying, you know, I remember a time when Green Arrow and Black Canary loved each other and they were soulmates and they were inseparable, and now they sleep alone every night and they don't know why. Yeah, I thought you might like that. Oh one. my god, that just I there, there's the scene where they're both in bed and they're both doing that like American Tale thing where they're looking at the moon. It's like, or is he looking at the same moon I am right now? <laughs> and I'm like, oh god, you two just just be together, be in love together. <laughs> and Benjamin Percy's like, soon that book comes out this week. <laughs> <laughs> gonna read that book and joel's just gonna have a big giant joy erection because <laughs> his otp because the couple he ships is back together <laughs> and all is good in the years i'm gonna read that book and then i'm gonna smoke a cigarette and be like mm, yes rather mm, good mm, as i remember it <laughs> that was beautiful that was wonderful um what else? I mean, there was. I mean, obviously, there's the big thing at the end we need to talk about. Should we also address the the there's now three Jokers thing? Yeah, and they're three Jokers from different parts of the DC universe. There's supposedly there's like the Alan Moore one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's the 1940s the, one. There's the Killing yep. Joke one. Yep, and the Capullo one, the Capullo new Scott. And Snyder one. Which, which, what a weird three to pick. I mean, obviously, I understand why you picked the Capullo one because it's the it's the newest one, right? It's it's the yep. side shaves, yep. sides shaved Macklemore looking Joker for a new generation. Okay, Killing Joke one. Yeah, he's the most famous, uh, arguably. And yeah, okay, 1940s one that no one has seen in decades or no one has done anything. The one who was arguably kind of harmless. I, I'm going to guess that's like the actual joke-telling Joker. Yeah, that'll be the Joker. Yeah, it's like, why those three? Why not, like, the Denny O'Neill Joker? Why not the Dark Knight Returns Joker? It's clear you guys get on your hands and knees and fillet Dark Knight Returns every chance you get. Why, why didn't yeah. you get Paul Lynn Joker in there? Yeah, why not the animated series Joker? Are you afraid of money and success? (laughs) Yeah, why not put the Mark Hamill Joker in there? (laughs) Maybe maybe these are just the three that we know of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there could be more. And I mean, some art came out there too from Juan Juan Jurin. I I can't pronounce his last name. He's a really awesome Spanish uh, artist. And it showed, you know, the new Batman standing back-to-back with what is assumedly a new Joker. And, shocker, he's wearing a white suit a la Dark Knight Returns, and he's got the weird Jared Leto haircut. Yeah. And, ironically, that version looks way better than the one in the movie. Yeah, it has no tattoos or anything. No no dumb, distracting tattoos. Yeah. It's just, just all clown, just all creepy clownmen. So what's what's our theory going into all these three Jokers? Are these like three aspects of the same person who have been split apart? Are these different Jokers from different universes who are all influencing this world now? It could be any of that and more. <laughs> Is it clones? Is it robots? Could be like what they did in that um, 
Oh, that last Arkham game where it was where Joker's blood turns you into the Joker. Oh yes, of course. Could it could it be a stupid way to tie into the goddamn Gotham show where apparently the oh, Joker God. where the Joker isn't a person. The, oh, jo- no. the Joker is a sickness that can be passed from person to no. person. You shut your whore mouth. <laughs> you shut your dirty whore Joker mouth. Look, look, uh, if you do the dumb Gotham thing, then you have to do Lori Petty Tank Girl Joker is what you need to have. <laughs> Only because it's a comic, she needs to actually be Tank Girl and the Joker and drive a tank around Gotham is what you need oh, to do. Oh, God. That's the only way I'll be okay with it. And then that character needs to run into Livewire, for whom Laura Petty was the base and the voices of in the Superman cartoon, and they need to go on an adventure. <laughs> and be like, you sound familiar, you sound familiar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, multiple Jokers to me seems like a blank check for a lot of money is what that seems like. Yeah. That seems to me like, you know, we're, if we're going to have a dozen Batman books, then we might as well have three different Jokers to tour. <laughs> we'll have a Joker for every book. Jo- every new Bat book gets a Joker. Nightwing gets a Joker. Detective Comics gets a Joker. Everybody gets a Joker. <laughs> um, Actually, I'm, else I'm, I, I'm totally going to steal someone else's idea, but they pitched me something hilarious where it's like, wouldn't it be great if the somewhat harmless 1940s Joker ran into Barbara Gordon now? <laughs> post the fallout of the killing joke and he's like oh I'm going to poison the reservoir and then Barbara Gordon just <laughs> mercilessly beats the shit out of him for shooting her in the back and doing all that other horrible stuff and she like describes the plot of killing joke for him only to be like that's horrible I just wanted to throw pies <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fucked up I don't want to meet that guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Do you think maybe we'll get like a Highlander situation? Oh, there can be where one of the joke where when you kill a Joker, you inherit his craziness. Oh my god, <laughs> War of the J- World War Joker. Only one will <laughs> be allowed to stay at the end, and they all fight each other. Oh my god, Dude, Matt, that's that's a billion dollar series right there. <laughs> That is that is a fucking franchise right there. There can be only one, and you get like crazy Bane Joker from like uh, Joker's Last yep. Laugh, and you get like all these other weird one-offs and alternate versions. You get the Trickster from like Earth Three. Yeah. Oh. And they we all fight it. each other because there can be only one, and at the end, there's only one Joker left standing. Oh. And that would course, be amazing. And they'll leave it a mystery as to who the last one was. Or he's like, Yeah, you, you know, never know who it is. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I won, but at the end I decided I would change because of it. I, I I've learned from all I am all I am all of them and none of them. Oh god. <laughs> See now we're entering into some Grant Morrison territory right now. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, if Grant Morrison did that like the end of it, he'd like kill them all. And the last Joker would become Batman or something. Or something crazy like that. You know, speaking of Grant Morrison, this whole DC Universe Rebirth number one with the big reveal at the end that, hey, spoilers, the Watchmen were behind it all. That feels like a very Grant Morrison-y twist, doesn't it? Yeah, I can just imagine, like, like Jeff Johns calls him into the office and is like, oh, we're going to do DC Rebirth and we want, like, your ideas and it's like... I want the Watchmen to create the DC Universe. And they're like, that's stu... Actually... (laughs) (laughs) And then he just leaves. (laughs) I can't believe he doesn't have a piece of this at all. Like, he's not writing any book. He he doesn't have any credit on any of this. Maybe It was too crazy for even him. (laughs) Maybe he's just so spent after Multiverse. He's like, no, I'm done. Thank you. (laughs) I, I spent up all my craziness in one story. I'm good. 
<laughs> you all have to do this without me. So I guess now that we can just come out and say it, how do we feel that the Watchmen are officially now canon in the DC universe? Not only canon, but apparently being set up to be the next great, like, uh, antagonist to the DC universe. <laughs> Fucking insane. <laughs> I know it's like it's so unfathomable. I often forget that it's real. I like. Yeah. I'm like that's a fear. I, I didn't. That ending didn't actually happen. I just dreamt it. Yeah, and the the great thing about that ending is that um, on the last pages, for people who maybe haven't read it or forgotten, I don't know how you would forget it. Um, but it's on Mars, and we find mm. the watch that uh, Doctor Manhattan's father gave him when he was a kid. And no, I, I thought it was Wally's watch because Wally was talking about the fact that Barry gave him a watch. I thought that's what it was. No, I thought like Doctor Manhattan. I, I I vaguely remember he got given a watch, like his father was a watchmaker or something. Yeah, well, I remember that much, but I'm almost certain that that was Wally's watch, and that was supposed to be the thing because it had the engraving on. I the don't. Back. I I don't know. I can't remember. I, it's probably both their watches or something. <laughs> They're the same watch. <laughs> yeah. Wally is Dr. Manhattan. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Crazy twist. But um, that, that watch is set 15 minutes to midnight as well. Ooh, which again... So I imagine, like, through, like, these books, we're going to get, like, a tease, and it's going to slowly tick down to midnight. Because, of course, that was the big plot device from the original Watchmen, the Doomsday Clock counting down to midnight and full-on nuclear annihilation. I'm guessing for this new shared continuity... The Doomsday Clock would be, I guess, whatever the Watchmen end up doing to the DC. The reveal of Doctor Manhattan, I reckon. Right to everyone. I'm so else. glad they never revealed him in this book. As that's well. that's good. That shows a great amount of restraint. Where they're like, you know what? Let's let's not blow our wads all over the place. Yeah, instead we'll blow Pandora's wad. Oh yeah. Oh good. I'm glad you mentioned that. That that took balls and guts, I think, on uh, Jeff Johns's part to be like, you know what? I'm gonna absolutely bury a character that I helped create, and I'm more or less gonna say she was stupid and didn't matter at all. Yeah, it just blows her up. L- literally b- blows her asshole out. <laughs> is what he does. And he's just like, yeah, she remember remember we kept saying she was important. She's actually not important at all. Yeah. <laughs> she's she that was all nothing. The Trinity of Sin, that whole, you know, Pandora's box thing. It, it was all bullshit. Yep. I mean, I think they seek to imply that she knew the secret of the universe and that's why she was important. She's part of that very select group, like right next yeah. to uh uh, well, I guess right next to Metron as well, because if you read the final Justice League this week, Owlman yep. attempts to access the Mobius chair, and he tries to access information about how the universe was created, and because of it, he is killed by a big blue light. Again, undoubtedly, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, covering his tracks. Covering his tracks, making sure no one could know, which which is even funnier, because if you remember at the beginning of Dark Side War... When they were talking about it, and Metron's like, oh, I I can't let them know the truth of the universe. I can't let them know. And they were seeking to imply the truth of the universe is that the New 52 happened at all, and that there's been multiple reboots and multiple crises and everything. I'm guessing they didn't know that's how the story was going to end. No. (laughs) I mean, mean, they might have had, like, uh... What is it? They might have had an inkling... 
or something. The broad it. strokes or something. It's like, look, by the end of Dark Side War, we're going to reveal something. We don't know what, but we're going to reveal something. Yeah, they probably had, like, a list of entities they would reveal as, like, the hand of the universe mm-hmm. and who it was, but they never, I guess, decided until six months ago or something. Because, I mean, really, how could you, right? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, who, who else would have have been if it hadn't have been Doctor Manhattan? Who do you think it would have been? Oh, fuck, I don't even know. Who else? I mean, they basically used up and or killed all their new god characters, all their all their huge ones that I can yeah. think of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'd have to like make a new character. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I guess they sort of went like, no, let's let's do this Doctor Manhattan. And what's even great about it is that it it fits in with his. Uh, before Watchmen book as well, because mm-hmm. like in that he actually creates um, some planets or like a universe, and I guess they they're trying to sort of imply that that what he created there was the New Fifty Two. It's it's too, I guess it's too funny you should say that, Matt, because uh, it, it's too funny you should say that because the before Watchmen book, the Doctor Manhattan one, sales of that absolutely spiked on uh yeah, I on imagine eBay. they would. <laughs> yeah, they spiked on eBay after uh after the news came out after the leak. And I mean let's face it, they th- there was no way of knowing that's what they were going to do. Oh no, God no. <laughs> when was that book came out? That came out like two thousand and nine or something. It was it was a while ago now. Yeah. Geez, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those situations where, like, from a cold business standpoint, I can understand why the, I could see them, like, up in the office room and, like, the suits and everything being like, you know, well, why, what, why, why can't we make more money off, uh, off the Watchmen? You know, what, why does it only have to be one book? Yeah. And I guess the question moving forward, too, when you stop and think about it is like, okay, so the Watchmen are behind this, or at least Dr. Manhattan is behind this. Does this mean that this takes place after the events of the original Watchmen? And if so, I guess that means like Rorschach and the comedian and all those other characters are dead and as such can't appear, right? Yeah. You would think. Ugh. I mean, my theory going in is, you know, this is like a plot by Adrian maybe because he's like, hey, you know, I, I saved my world and now I'm going to save yours too. Well, it's funny you should mention Osmondeus because – uh, when when we see Clark White in this, uh, he gets Superman, yeah. he gets talked to by a guy called Mister Oz. Mister Oz, yeah. Mister Oz was actually in the Jeff Johns run of Superman as well. You don't? Um, say, oh, so so that's not a new character. That's a character. For, okay, okay. Then. He he was like this character. Like we we had no idea who this guy was because in in that in that run with Ulysses, he was like watching Superman and Ulysses fight on like view screens somewhere. He had like the cloak and that weird staff thing and he was saying something about how superman's not the real one and yeah it was like really weird no, and wasn't really explained and we kind of thought like it was going to be explained in the next story but i guess they sort of kept it for huh. rebirth has a, has jeff johns been planting seeds for this all along or does he just routinely plant seeds and be like i might pay this <laughs> off later i might not <laughs> i meant to do that <laughs> yeah i meant to do that <laughs> When you do something right, they'll wonder if you did anything at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just a fucking genius. Yeah, of course I meant to do that. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny now that you've kicked up that theory of Mr. Oz perhaps being Ozymandias or being a version of it. 
Uh, I know when they were running up the pictures of the multiple Jokers, Batman happened to be holding a comedian pen or pin, the, the famous one with the blood on it. Yeah, he found it, and it, it seems to have implied that when Wally came through into the cave, that it came through with him mm. and, like, embedded itself in the wall. Right. So, yeah. Because w- I doubt it would just be in the wall and he just happened to find it unless, then. Unless someone put it there for Batman to find. Yeah. But if so, why? Mm. So guess, he could say they were being watched. I guess, I guess we'll have to read and find out. Uh, again, following that theory, so, okay, so... You, you see Ozymandias and you see the comedian referenced. Uh, the two new characters, a man and a woman who are going to be featured quite prominently in the new Batman rebirth, they were shown in this book as well saying, you know, we need to go to Gotham, we need to save it. And a lot of people are like, huh, man and woman superhero wearing very Golden Age-esque superhero costumes, kind of like the ones you would see in The Watchmen. Yeah, very Night Owl and Silk Spectre-ish. Yeah, I wonder. Now, again, we could just be talking out of our asses, and this could be revealed to be absolutely nothing, but it's an interesting theory to chew on. Yeah, no, and what really intrigues me as well, they they wear um, Superman shields as well. Yeah. With, like, I I can't describe what the letter is inside of it. It's like a G or something? Mm. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, I guess we'll have to read that book, which I think Batman Rebirth number one comes out this week as people are listening to this, and I think uh, Green Arrow Rebirth comes out this week as people listen to this. Yeah, and uh, those two, I think Superman and some other books as well. Is Superman this week too? Yep. Is it really? Yep. You're, you're not lying to me, Matt. You you know nope. this for certain. You, you you know the truth of the universe. You know what's I know I know for certain because I pre-ordered the book. Ah, there you go. It's going it's to be good reading this week. Yeah. We got all that. Then over at Marvel, we got Civil War number one. So, yeah, that's that's DC Rebirth. I mean, I think we've kind of talked it to death at this point. It's interesting. It was a great first shot fired, and I hope the other books can keep up this momentum. Yeah, yeah. And as I said in my review, if this was done by any other re- any other writer, it would oh, have yes. just absolutely destroyed DC. Yeah, I mean, Johns has enough credibility and enough skill as a writer that he's able to pull what is admittedly a really fucking insane task off. Yeah. I mean, like, imagine those words as a comic fan leaving your mouth being like, okay, uh, DC Universe was maybe created by, uh, was maybe created by the Watchmen and Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, no, though, that, that was like what we were saying last week when we were talking about the spoilers and like how we said that it'll probably read better once we read the whole thing. And it did. It like, did. Because when, when it was leaked, it was leaked in like little bits like, oh, Watchmen created everything and Dr. Manhattan's there and everything. And it just sounded so insane it, and it, stupid. Again, it sounds better when you actually read it. And, and again, Matt and I are oversimplifying, but I think what they say exactly in the comic is is that the New 52 universe as we know it is not a reboot. It is the old universe as you remember it, just with ten years stolen in the wake of Flashpoint. You know, see, I was I was talking with people about this. I think it's technically a different universe because those ten years were taken and a new Earth was made. It, it because a lot of things don't add up. Where it's like, okay, well, yeah. then why, why was there a different Superman then? <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah, it, it's really weird. I guess we're going to learn a little bit more over the next year, but yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of holes for them to fill in. Huh, but but I'm riding pretty high on the reveal as it is. Yeah. So I'm willing I'm willing to let all the little you know niggling complaints go that I normally wouldn't just because I'm like ah Wally ah green air ah all the things I like. <laughs> 
Ah, the possibility of Watchmen. <laughs> so good. I want to rub these retcons all over me. <laughs> I mean, and also, let's not kid ourselves, too. As, as far as 80-page giants go, it was 80 pages of pure nonstop fan service. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was like it, fan service, the comic. It was fan service, the book. And I know a lot of younger... Uh, excuse me. Look, younger comic fans for them, which New 52 was their first one, and they never really explored beyond it. They're like, I, I don't get it. I don't get what everyone's losing their mind about. To which I say, yeah. wasn't really for you. Yeah, and I, th- that's why I did a Superman video explaining his deal with Rebirth, since it's the old New 52 Superman. It's the old universe Superman, not New 52 Superman. Yep, c- coming back. Uh, big, 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 big things happening for him. And so uh, I guess with that out of the way, now that we've covered the two big comic uh, stories of the week that had everyone losing their mind, we can get into the spoiler cast portion of the show because, man, all of this shit just happened to hit on the same week, huh? Yep. What a what, what a week it was, man. We, we earned our pay this week. And, of course, by that I mean Matt and I both saw X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, Matt, of course, saw it before me because Australia, he gets to see it a little before me. I saw it a little over a week ago now. Yeah, it's... Nah. Eh. Yeah, eh, that's the perfect way to describe X-Men Apocalypse. It was not good. It was also not bad. It was the definition of a middle-of-the-road superhero movie. Yeah, which is really strange for a blockbuster. Yep, this is this is one of the most apathetic blockbusters I think I've seen in a long time. <laughs> uh, it was just, like, it was just so boring. This, this, uh, they, they, like, the choices they make... Are, are kind of baffling, but baffling for reasons you wouldn't expect. So this is an X-Men movie with no real themes and no real undercurrents going on. It is the most basic, straightforward, good guys need to stop the bad guy from blowing up the world story. Yeah, and then you realize the bad guy isn't so bad because all he does is do speeches. He j- Apocalypse, man, you know, I will, I will give this to the movie's credit. In the comics, Apocalypse is incredibly vague in his powers and motivation. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, Apocalypse is one of the greatest comic villains of all time. They certainly managed to translate his confusing nature, that's for sure. <laughs> they sure did that well, and oh my god, but poor, poor Oscar Isaac. One of the- yeah, that was a shame. I was really kind of excited, especially after Star Wars. Yeah, I was like, oh, maybe he'll be really good in uh, X Men Apocalypse, uh, but he—he uh. he is squandered in this role. He is yeah. truly squandered. I mean, a lot of it isn't his fault. A lot of it is oh, not no. his no. fault. Apocalypse is incredibly underwritten and half baked in this movie. But then again, so was Bolivar Trask in Days of Future Past. But Peter Dinklage, just by the very nature of being Peter Dinklage, managed to elevate that character mm-hmm. in just like a couple short scenes and just a couple of short lines. I swear to God, I'm not making short jokes. That came out totally wrong. <laughs> Did not mean to do that. Are you saying something about his height, Joel? I, I, I am saying nothing about that, but I'm saying perhaps that informed the undercurrents. But you're yeah. a height supremacist, Joel. A height supremacist. <laughs> oh god damn. Well, you know, you joke about that, but I would not be surprised if shit like that existed. Uh, it wouldn't surprise there's, me. There's probably a subform somewhere on height supremacy. <laughs> Goddamn short people. Goddamn short people. Where where do they get off? I, I bet you it's lower than where we are. <laughs> yeah. See, it's really easy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, poor Oscar Isaac, uh, again, he, the script lets him down. Like you said, Apocalypse 
really just kind of give speeches. And it's funny because at the same time, they info dump all of his origin and everything you need to know about him. And yet they don't answer the most important question, which is, but why, though? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Why? I why does to, he want to do this? I want to destroy the Earth and start over so I can be the god of a new world. Okay, but why, though? Yeah, be- because and it's evil. like, why didn't he do that back in when he was in ancient Egypt? Well, they never say it, but I assume that's what he was planning to do. That's another thing the movie never explains, because the movie opens with Apocalypse's followers betraying him and locking him away and everything. You never understand why. Yeah. And it's The world seemed to be doing pretty good under Apocalypse. Honestly, everything was shiny yeah. and new and yeah. there was technology. Why Why would you want to overthrow him? I mean, I can only assume he was planning to kill everybody, but they never say he was planning to kill everybody. Yeah, no, he should have had like a scene before that when it's old Apocalypse and maybe like he kills like a bunch of villagers or something or... Then, you know, it's something evil, something an evil person would do and then he has to go get into Isaac, Oscar Isaac's body and yeah that's like that's another thing about the X-Men movies like say what you want about them always eventually going back to having Magneto being the villain at least Magneto was always three-dimensional and sympathetic and you know always yeah. interesting like in this movie all the stuff with him in Poland was great you see, I was not a fan of him in Poland, actually. Yeah. I The second they're like, oh, yeah, it's been a decade, which, goddamn, that's way too long to space these movies apart now. You feel yeah. you feel like you've missed a whole movie in between. That was kind of true with Days of Future Past, but it's really annoying here. So, like, in the ten years in between movies, Magneto has settled down, had a family, is working at a steel mill, ironically, because, you know, he, the master of magnetism loves irony, don't you know? And the second I saw him wearing, like, a flannel shirt, and having a family, I'm like okay, two things: a, this will never last, and b, you totally stole Wolverine's shtick. <laughs> this is what Wolverine does. Well, the the thing I I didn't really like about this, I like the like how he had his family and they were taken away from him. That sort mm. of set up him being a pawn for Apocalypse and everything. But the thing that I really hated the most about those scenes is that it's ten years later and people are like in some small Polish town, able to recognize him as the guy who almost killed the president of the United States 10 years earlier. <laughs> Again, the decade jump is really hard, and it's it's even dumber, too, when you start to think about it. Where it's like, okay, so if Magneto was like 12, 13 during the Holocaust, and we're in the 80s now, shouldn't he be like 50-something? Shouldn't they all be like 50-something? Yeah, and that's like another thing. Like, they're never going to turn into... Well, they like nowadays they could turn into like present day Ian McKellen and present day Patrick Stewart, but like yeah, by the time they reach present day, they'll be like ninety. It, it gets really funny when you start looking at characters like Havoc. Yeah, Havoc inexplicably shows oh. up again in this movie. It's like, dude, you were like a teen in the sixties. You should be in your goddamn thirties now, but you're not. Yeah. But he had a long he had like long hair, so he's older, man. So, so you know he was older. Man, I was so excited when I'm like, dude, Havoc and Cyclops in the same movie together. This is gonna be great. We're <laughs> finally gonna get all the great Summer Brothers backstory with, you know, the airplane and the Mr. Sinister Orphan. Oh, his parents are alive. Oh, and Havoc's dead now. Fuck. Uh. <laughs> way way to have something awesome within your grasp and be like, nope. And then again, um Cyclops is wasted. 
oh god, not only is he wasted, but it's nice to know they learnt nothing from the other <laughs> movies. Once again, he is shooting lasers out of his eyes, not concussive blasts. Yeah, well, you see, lasers are much more extreme. Lasers cool. are cool. You know, I bet you, I bet you, the writers chose to kill Havoc because they didn't want to have to write two guys who had laser powers. You mean didn't want to have to, like, pay for the special effects for two people with lasers? Yep, they're just like, okay, just kill the brother. Havoc's death is horrible. It really... Oh, it, it, it's barely, like, you barely notice it. It blows up and quick seems like, oh, I didn't save him because he... It was in the explosion. I, sa- I saved literally everybody else, even the people who were only five steps away from him, but I couldn't save Havoc, though. Yeah, I did not like that scene. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing. It's one of the few creative things in the movie, but even then, it's still, you know, so horribly like, okay, so we gotta check this box now. Everyone loved yep. the time in a bottle scene yeah. from Days of Future Past, yeah. and it was a great, it was a great scene. So let's shamelessly try to recreate it here, even though we don't have the same sort of creativity going for it. Yeah. Also, also another problem with that scene, makes Quicksilver too powerful once again. Like, by this movie's logic, Quicksilver should be, like, the most powerful mutant in the world. He should be able to end any conflict. Yeah, yeah, exactly like in Days of Futures Past, because this one it shows you, like, that explosion would have been, like, a second, and in that second he was able to go through the whole Xavier Mansion and save everyone and the goldfish and the dogs. Quicksilver in the movie is, like, as strong as the Flash is in the comics. He can move within an attosecond. Yep, and then at the end, he gets his leg broken because it gets stuck in sand. Yeah, and he was winning up until that point, yeah. too. Like, like our big, scary villain, oh, the greatest villain that, you know, uh, the X-Men has ever fought, gets bitched out by Quicksilver. <laughs> yeah, he just gets beaten around by Quicksilver. Quicksilver whips his ass, and I'm like, you know what? If they end the movie right now with Quicksilver beating him, I will have to give the movie respect because at least, yeah, yeah, he lives up to his power. Yeah, exactly. If they did that, it would have been good. Yeah. The Four Horsemen, you want to talk about more wasted potential. I was so excited to see the Four Horsemen on screen. And they dropped the ball almost instantly by having Apocalypse be like, I will gather the strongest mutants to my side. And by strongest mutants, I mean Magneto and Storm and these, yeah. and these two other losers. <laughs> I, 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 I mean these ones we saw previously in the, lot, in the first 20 minutes of the film. These two <laughs> other losers who I just so happened to walk across. I'm like, why not? Like, can you imagine like Quicksilver as a horseman? He would have made sense. Or like, like um, Jean Grey as a horseman. Yeah, Jean Grey, Cyclops. They, it made more sense for them to be. Oh, oh, don't you love? They started writing bullshit around Nightcrawler's powers. No, oh, sorry, I can't. Yes. I can't bamf around things with electric currents in them. Since yes. when? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I was like, like, just, just go out into the crowd. Just do it. Since God. literally, I'm like, nice, so you were so uncreative in your writing, you have to start writing limitations for these characters' powers now that they didn't have before. Yeah, and he's totally not Mystique's son as well. Oh, what what another missed opportunity. It's like, guys, guys, what was the point of retconning your entire film series, of going back to the very beginning if you weren't going to do things better or closer to the source material? Yeah, let's talk about Mystique or, or you know Jennifer Lawrence because that's who, that, that's who she 
is just playing. Once she refuses to like get in the makeup, even though the last two movies were her going mutant and proud. Was all about her learning to love herself in her blue form. And you know what? I have to wonder, was that an intentional thing by the movie makers, or did the actress just not want to get in the blue makeup as much anymore? Well, remember we heard like all those things about her not wanting to come back and everything, and maybe that was something like in her contract or something. Like, she, like they had her for She could only more. be blue for a certain amount of days or something. I mean, like, I know people complained about how they felt she was sleepwalking halfway into Days of Future Past. I didn't feel that way. I thought the movie was actually very strong, focusing on her. But, yes, she she does not want to be here in this newest no. one. She no. Not only does she not want to be here, but I think by the end, they didn't want her to be there either. Because, literally, for the final battle, Mystique just kind of hangs back on a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't do anything. Ah. Oh. Now, okay, so, like, like some stuff that's good, you know, the new Gene, the new Scott, the new Nightcrawler, I thought they were very well cast, I thought they did a decent job, it just sucks that they were given nothing to do. Yeah, they, literally nothing to do. In a movie that should have all been about introducing this new cast of characters and getting to know them and, you know, kind of setting up the new team dynamic, instead they're like, mm, let's make it all about Fassbender, McAvoy, and Lawrence again. Yeah, and, and then then at the end, they completely blow their wad and introduce the phoenix. Oh, that's you see, that bugged me too. When it's like, oh, Gene, you know, you, you, you're exhibiting such power, power like I've never seen. And I'm like, no, stop setting up for a sequel. Stop setting up for a new... You're not even done with it. Finish your apocalypse before you move on to the phoenix. <laughs> and how about that, like, when... Cause, so... Charles Xavier gets captured by Apocalypse because Apocalypse wants his body because he can do stuff with his mind and he's never come across a mutant like that Be- for some reason. Because he he wants his mind so he can control everyone in the world, even though as we've clearly seen Apocalypse... Yeah, he wants no- to kill everyone. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. So, okay, he wants Xavier so he can control everyone in the world... Even though, as we've clearly seen, when Apocalypse is standing right in front of you, he can control you and brainwash you anyway. Yep. yep. He also wants to kill everyone in the world. So, wait, you're going to kill everyone in the world but brainwash them first? Your two, your two things make don't work together. Yeah, and also, apparently, when you are getting possessed by Apocalypse, all your hair falls out. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a what a really dumb reason to be like and, and this, never grows back. <laughs> and this is how Xavier lost his hair. I'm like, really? This was but okay, so the baldness thing, very dumb, but it's one of the few actual things of note that changes the movie. It's one of the few things of consequence. <laughs> That's another big problem with uh with X-Men Apocalypse. There are like I said, there's no themes, there's no undercurrents. There's also zero stakes for like a movie where they're threatening oh, yeah. to blow up the world and destroy everything. There's really no stakes. We don't see how the destruction affects regular people. And at the end of the movie, they just blow off the fact that Eric, like, destroyed almost half the world. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm friends with the X-Men now. And no doubt probably killed millions upon millions of people. And everyone's like, oh, you. Oh, dude, the destruction in this, like, would make Snyder get, like, a boner. Yeah, <laughs> they destroyed the Sydney Opera House again. How do you feel about that? Eh, I don't live in Sydney, so... Yeah, yes, screw that opera. How many times have they destroyed that building in films? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's probably because, like, the Fox Studios is just down the road from it. Oh. So, like, I just, like, go go film it, and we'll, we'll add the CGI later. What what shorthand for, hey, guys, we're in Australia, we're destroying the Sydney Opera House again? <laughs> yeah, it, it's so weird for a movie that's like, oh, it's a disaster movie, we're destroying the world. 
And yet there's no stakes, no personal stakes. I mean, no one has a personal dog in this fight. No one really evolves or changes. No one has an arc in this movie. No. It's kind of amazing how it fails screenwriting 101 in that regard, where it's like everything is like, okay, we got to go to another fight scene, to another exposition dump, to another scene. They bring back Moira McTaggart mainly just so she can give exposition. Yeah, and bring about Apocalypse. Yeah, it's it's really weird where they basically tell you everything you need to know about Apocalypse in the first five, ten minutes, and then it never gets any more interesting than that. So there's zero sense of discovery in this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to reel it on back to the horsemen there for a second, what a missed opportunity that they never do like, okay, you are you are famine, you are death, you are pestilence, you are war, and never do they get like new and interesting powers based on that. It's like, well, that's obviously yeah. what you should have done, but they don't. Yeah, no, it, all it seems to be is that you like when a, they become a horseman, your powers just get up a little bit. Y- you get a new outfit and some face tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> And to bring it back to that Magneto thing, it's like, okay, well, we need to give him a family, even though settling down and having a family goes against literally everything we've learned about this guy in every other movie. But he needs that, though, so we can kill them in the forest with some bows and arrows. (laughs) (laughs) We need to kill them there so he'll be mad, and so he'll be mad, he'll be more susceptible to want to join Apocalypse's cause. Yeah. yeah, and then and then and then like to make you sympathize with him, we'll make him go destroy Auschwitz. That felt shameless in a summer blockbuster <laughs> to invoke Auschwitz and then destroy all of Auschwitz. Yep. I'm like, look, yeah, bad stuff happened there, but that's like a very important like historical site with a very touchy history to destroy it for shock value in a mega movie blockbuster does not sit well with me actually. <laughs> Not, not, not great, and like it's just so weird, so so weird. And then it's like you know, Magneto, you can reach into the earth now and control elements never thought before. I'm like, oh, so you're doing Ultimatum now, huh? <laughs> you're you're borrowing plots from Ultimatum. But the thing is, like, it's not even like stuff he couldn't control. Like, he should know, like, the Earth has all these metals in it, and he should be able to move them. Like, why did it take this this old Egyptian dude just to tell him that? Why did it take Blue Man Group to tell him? <laughs> Back on the Oscar Isaac and the costume thing, that costume looked so uncomfortable. It did, like especially on the face. There oh. was something about that face that just didn't look right. Again, they took a great emotive actor and they put him in a Power Ranger monster costume. Yeah. Ivan Ooze could actually emote better in that suit back in the 90s than <laughs> this poor man in this one. Uh, terrible. And, oh, you want to talk about the the Wolverine cameo? Oh, uh, we. You mean the cameo that they went out of their way to make sure you knew was in the movie? <laughs> the cameo that just stops the movie. It is one of the most pointless twenty minute diversions. And for a second, I was excited. I, again, I, I say that a lot about this, but I was excited. I'm like, okay, this is where the movie's going to get good. It's where the ex kids get kidnapped by Stryker out of nowhere. Their their house blows up, and so the military. Yeah, he just he's just there, and so the military instantly comes to pick up the important mutants, and they get taken there for reasons. And yeah, because they're there, we get to see Wolverine. And this this isn't short either. This is this is twenty solid minutes in a movie that's already too long. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could cut that entire Wolverine scene and nothing would change in the rest of the movie. Yeah, and now, and I bet they won't fucking do this, but now when, once they reach, like, uh, you know, not the next movie, but maybe the movie after that where Wolverine actually does join the team, um, 
they're going to need to remember him as well. <laughs> n- n- it's another missed opportunity. If you were going to do the Weapon X thing, that would have been your perfect chance to recast Wolverine and put him yep. behind a mask. They-, they even screw up the Weapon X mask because yeah, they yeah, take exactly. the screen When out. I saw that, I was like, oh, fuck you. They take the screen out because you have to know that it's Hugh Jackman. Yeah, they could have just done like a stunt double and just like, oh, that's Wolverine. But like, is it Wolverine? We're going to butcher one of the most iconic comic book scenes, one of the most iconic X-Men scenes, because you have to know it's Hugh Jackman. Yeah, and it's not even like one of those things where like he had the mask on, but like ripped it off in rage. It, it, it comes out of that that cage, and and the portion that's like the the Cyclops goggles on from the the comic is like missing. <laughs> it's yeah. not there at all. <laughs> Again, missed opportunity. That could have been so cool, but it wasn't. No. And even the stuff I did genuinely like about the movie, like the Quicksilver scene and like, you know, uh, Magneto using regular harmless items to kill lots of people all at once. Those were cool, but at the same time, I'm like, they were done better in the other movies. Yeah, and they were done because they were cool. That's the only reason they were in that movie. There's there's a lot of repetition and a lot of regurgitating in this. Again, the whole Weapon X scene, once again, we're back in Alkali Lake. We're back in the dam for some reason. Yeah. Also, about that scene, like, why does Stryker have Wolverine? Because at the end of Days of Futures Past, it was Mystique as Stryker taking Wolverine. What a massive gaping plot hole. I think Singer did an interview recently where he's like, well, you know, history history wants to be history, so, you know, you can change. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> history it means we didn't think about it because we didn't care <laughs> fuck like what would they have done anyway with the mystique thing because she took him to weapon x but like, how does she know about weapon x i mean it's been a decade so i mean anything could have happened in that time i suppose jesus christ <laughs> the, the the thing that really kills this movie like i said is the lack of stakes the lack of personal drama and arcs but more than anything it's a lack of passion from a lot of people behind the scenes. Jennifer Lawrence didn't care. Brian yep. Singer clearly didn't care. In fact, I was reading an article just now as we record that he thinks he wants to take a break from the series. Please. Do you think it's him saying it or, the, or like the exec saying, I think you should see other people? I think we should see other people, Brian. I'm, I was trying to think back too. I was thinking this today when I was at the pool. I'm like, when was the last time Singer genuinely seemed to give a shit about X-Men? I mean, like those last two were great. But I think they were so born out of the passion of, okay, I need to fix the mess other people made of my franchise. Yeah, I think, like, the last time he actually gave shit with the X2. Because it seems like he came back in a, okay, you know, my other movies, you know, no one wanted to see Valkyrie, my Superman movie, bombed and everything. Let, let me go back to the nice warm glove that is X-Men and see if I can make it right, even though arguably Matthew Vaughn made the best one in the series. Yep. <laughs> That the best one wasn't, and him. even then, that was to like fix other people's fuck ups mistakes. Yeah, what a, what a, what an odd and fascinating uh, history the X Men movies have as a whole. It, yeah, it's it's so weird. You know, honestly, too, I think I I this movie I didn't enjoy nearly as much too after seeing Deadpool because Deadpool calls them on all the shit they do. Yeah, 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 exactly. Needlessly convoluted. Oh look, you blew up the mansion again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, Deadpool had their number so hard, and you think they would try and change it when they were doing the new movie, but nope. Nope. 
Oh, dude, let's talk about the costumes. What has always been? Oh a God, stick in the you mean the costumes they get from Alkali Lake? They literally steal military costumes, and they steal the not the Quinjet. Totally not the Quinjet. Totally not the Quinjet. <laughs> it's funny. I remember people shouting me down when I complained about the black armor. I'm like, seriously, we're doing this again. We're going backwards now. In terms of costume, what's wrong with you? And everyone shared me that picture from Empire, where it's like, no, look, Jules, see, they all have their costumes, and they all look the way they're supposed <laughs> the to. The last 30 seconds. The last 30 seconds of the movie. And they're in the danger room. <laughs> and, the co- and the costumes look good, too. They do. They, they do. look genuinely... I'm like, why did you not have a whole movie with the good-looking costumes? Do you reckon they'll be in the next one? I don't think they will be. Depends if Singer is attached. Again, it's going to be in the 90s, so we're going to jump ahead another decade, so I'm sure those <laughs> costumes will be out of fashion. Yeah, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's '90s, so we'll dress in like plaid and Nirvana shirts." We're and... we're in we're going to space in the '90s, so we all need to wear black armored spacesuits. <laughs> want to talk about another missed opportunity? I was so excited to see that Jubilee was going to be in this. I'm like, "Oh, good, they're finally <laughs> going to do something with Jubilee." Jubilee is a background character. Yeah, who talks about Empire Strikes Back? Oh my god! In a scene that was clearly shot later and put in the movie. Yeah. No. Well, apparently, like the 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 mall scene, there was a lot bigger scenes with them, like going around the mall and share, sharing um, American culture with stuff. Nightcrawler. Yeah. Well, yeah. With Nightcrawler and everything, and oh, oh, just it, being kids and yeah. which is what you want in an X Men movie. Yeah. Which was what I was hoping this would be. I mean, yeah. This this feels like a hackett job, and in fact, I think someone was telling me that there was about forty minutes cut from this, and it and it shows. Oh yeah, definitely it's, shows. It's it's already almost three hours, but they cut forty minutes on top of it. Jeez, they could have cut the Quicksilver scene and the Wolverine scene, and you could have added that back in. You know, actual character development. It, that's what it sounds. It sounds like they actually chopped out the character development. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it shows with like Quicksilver. He's like, I want to tell Erica he's my father. Ah. Uh, I better not. Yeah, what's up with that? Like, it seemed like he was going to have the only complete arc in the movie. You know, I want my father to acknowledge me. You know, I'm ready for him to know I'm ready to do all this. Here's hope. You know, he lost his family. Maybe if he yeah, knows he that has that could have been compelling. It could have been. He, he has a son that he didn't know, really know about, and he's just lost his family, and he thinks he has no family left, but he has family. And then at the end, uh, Peter, I was going to call him Pietro, but he's not Pietro. Yeah, he's, no, he's Peter. Peter. He's Peter, you know, because he's not a gypsy anymore. At the end, he's just like, no, no, I'm good. I'm not going to tell my dad. Why? Why aren't you going to tell? He literally gives no reason why. He just decides at the end, no, I'm good. And then there's that scene as well with his mother in, in, in the basement where he, he was talking about telling him. Which which and, is funny if we've jumped ahead a decade. So you mean to tell me for the he was already a teen living in his mom's basement in the seventies. So flash forward a decade and he's still living in his mom's basement, still playing the same arcade games all these years later. <laughs> That's the problem with jumping your movie ahead a decade because you don't think about all these little things. Yeah, you miss the characterizations. Again, you feel like a whole movie took place in the like in the interim. Also, here's another thing. So Mystique has fallen out of favor with the X-Men and Xavier. She's been going around freeing mutants, be, be, being like the mutant Khaleesi, being the mutant breaker yep. of chains. Because Xavier's done nothing for the last ten years, he's just sat it's on his hands. set up a school for these kids and help them with their powers and... 
<laughs> even though, even though, if you remember in like first class and the other two movies, it clearly seemed like he was going in an X Men direction to try and build a team. Like he had learned the importance yeah. of something like that, so he just forgot the importance of the team. And like they talk about the X Men, where it's like, oh yeah, the X Men, they were this wonderful thing that happened a long time ago and never again. And I'm like, so there's been no X Men activity and nothing for the last ten years. You've all just been sitting on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> there's literally nothing that's been happening and oh man I never thought I would give a give a compliment in this regard how wasted was Angel in this I mean Psylocke and Angel were totally wasted oh god <laughs> but how sad is it when I can say X3 did Warren Worthington better than this movie oh yeah and I think at the end of this movie he dies anyway he did, he did. Yeah. what was the point of bringing him back if you were just going <laughs> to yeah. kill him yeah exactly like there was no point for him to be in this movie. He didn't need to be in the movie to be a horseman. Didn't need to be in the movie to be a character. His character could be, literally be anyone else. The, him and Psylocke were henchmen. We don't learn a goddamn thing about them. No. Uh, Storm again. Keep it. Keeping the things I like and things that were positive. I actually did kind of like Storm in this because they actually keep a fair amount of her origin as a thief and a pickpocket and everything. Uh, again, they do that weird thing where it's like, oh, and this is how your hair turned white. Yeah, that was really weird. I'm like, what? It's being a horseman makes your hair turn white, just like being hooked up to Magneto's machine gave uh, gave Rogue uh, white things in her hair. <laughs> yeah, that was that was weird. But but I liked her. She was she was Mohawk Storm. She was cool. Yeah. How uh, how funny is it to uh, Apocalypse, a guy born in an era before technology, learns everything about English in the world by touching a TV? Yeah, it, I'm pretty sure that's how like Ivan Ooze does it in the Power Rangers movie. Like, that's <laughs> a, how he learns about the world. What an unfortunately bad line read from Oscar Isaac, too. What are you doing? Learning. Oh, God. I'm learning. His voice was so weird in this. It, it didn't need to be either. Like, once he learned English, he should just speak English. Except he had, like, this weird accent, and it wasn't an Egyptian accent. No, and they kept putting, like, filters and auto-tunes on yeah. his voice. Like, they didn't think he sounded intimidating enough. So oh. they tried to drop the bass a couple octaves. There's, there's just a lot of weird choices that kneecap this movie. And I think, too, probably for, like, the other biggest thing, like, the battle they're building up to at the end. What a, what a weak final battle. Oh, yeah. It's so bad. Like, here's the thing. Like, looking back on it now, the action in the other X-Men movies always stuck to a very, very specific sort of template. And that is they were one-on-one fights, usually shot in dark room starring Wolverine. Like, that fight from Mm -hmm. X2 is amazing. But again, shot very close together, just Wolverine and another person. That's your big fight for the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's probably, I would argue, the height of it. Uh, you know, another really good fight, but it was one that uh, Snyder or Singer had nothing to do with, and that was the one from First Class where they were all, you know, jumping from ship to ship and having a crazy beach fight. That was the best yeah. team fight in the movie, had nothing to do with uh, Singer. Singer tries to do a big team fight here, and it does not work. Yeah, he tries to sort of emulate the stuff we've seen in, like, the Avengers and Civil War and everything, but, yeah doesn't work it's it's just not in his wheelhouse he's a guy who shoots wordy dramas he shoots great dialogue but man taking the fights into the open was not a good idea no it was really not a good idea and especially on the heels of what is arguably the best multi-superpowered individual fight from the airport from civil war ii it was Mm -hmm. even more apparent what was wrong and even even like staying within like the the fox universe like the deadpool stuff 
Yeah, even the Deadpool stuff was really... And even that was, like, you know, mostly one-on-one fights shot really close together, but still really cool. Yeah. Just, you know, just so many issues with this one. And yet, it's not so bad that I'm like, oh, this is horrible, never see it. But it's definitely a... You can wait for this one on DVD. There is... Yeah, yeah. Just, like, put it on when you're doing something else. It's it's fine, is what it is. It's ultimately fine, but it's also really disappointing, is what it is. Yeah. I'm I'm not mad, X-Men Apocalypse. I just know you can do better. Yeah, oh, they could do way better. In fact, I've seen you do better in the last one. Oh my god, how did how did you go from that to this? <laughs> it's like how, how many of these X Men movies have you made, Brian Singer, and you haven't actually gotten any better? It seems <laughs> you've regressed. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. Like, if obviously he's not going to be coming back for the next one, who they get, what they do, and yeah. Well, I mean, Whether I they tie into Fantastic Four. <laughs> Ugh, I, I doubt it. Uh, well, d- well, today it even came out as news. Apparently the movie opened very soft at $65 million, yeah. which is $25 million short of where they wanted. It was still number one, but it was not the number one they wanted. Well, it's number one because it, it like opened against literally nothing. The, the Angry Birds movie, I think. Hey, hey man, Angry Birds has legs, you'll see. <laughs> it, it you know it probably does <laughs> angry birds is the movie of this generation yeah <laughs> well actually it, it's an animated family comedy which those always stick around oh yeah those always stick around actually i'm pretty sure like zootopia stuck around for so long it's now like i think zootopia is still actually playing in cinemas near me i don't i think it's like it's the most successful animated movie in years or it's like the most successful disney movie in years or something it, it broke some record just recently yeah yeah. And I was like, good for it, because it's a good movie. It deserves it. Mm-hmm. I, like, man, I, I know a lot of people rail, too, for X-Men Apocalypse. The CG in that final bit, where you're basically Ooh. just looking Fastbender, suspended by wires as he's dragged through, like, a video game cutscene. Someone actually, uh, like, they sent a Twitter thing, I think, to me and, like, uh, some of the other guys from Comic Book Cast. They said... Um, and it was like a screenshot of that scene. I know the scene you're talking about. And you could actually see where they've keyed uh, Michael Fassbender out. Because you can, like, in part of his armor, you can see the slight glow of a green screen. It, it looked rushed. It looked really rushed. And I'm like, how can such a big Hollywood movie with such millions of dollars behind it look so rushed and so cheap? Yeah, it it did look really... And like, especially that... um. That scene where uh, Apocalypse goes into Charles's head and turns big, mm-hmm. that looks really bad. <laughs> the, the only time we actually get to see Apocalypse do, like, a real, like, Apocalypse thing that you know he can do. Yeah, and it happens for, like, two seconds. <laughs> I, would, I would say it's cartoony, but in truth, that would be insulting to the many great X-Men cartoons I've seen that actually <laughs> did have themes and stakes and undercurrents. <laughs> That's, I guess that would be my review for X-Men Apocalypse, ultimately. Not as good as the cartoons. <laughs> Which is sad to say, because, you know, I kept thinking, like, you know what? I bet this one's going to surprise us. I bet this one is going to show us what it can do, and it's going to continue, you know, Fox actually doing a pretty good job with the X-Men, but not really. Yeah, no, well, like, after I saw those costumes that come out and some other stuff, like, oh, maybe they'll, like, they're, they're going to, like, ride it near the end and everything, but no... Not really. Just, just, just a mishmash of ideas and just stuff that doesn't go anywhere. Like, it, it's amazing 
how no one has an arc and it's amazing how safe they play it in this one and don't try anything new in fact in many cases recycle ideas from the other x-men movies yeah well again like as well i I think it's sort of becoming that thing like what fantastic four is and they're just making these movies now just to hold on to the rights which which you know as you said like like bad storylines and CGI and everything. They're sort of rushing it out. Which, which shouldn't be the case, because, I mean, X-Men yeah. was always so great. I mean, for a while there, it was top of the heap. I remember seeing X-Men 2 and literally going, okay, comic book movies will never be better than this. This is the height. This is the <laughs> yeah. best one. Yeah, it was, it was great. And, it, like, it what was happened? for a while. Yeah, what, what happened here is what I want to know. It's, again, not mad, just disappointed. Yeah, it's really disappointing, because like, you, you can do some really great storylines they have they totally have in the past and you know what it's like in a weird way if i may throw a compliment batman v superman's way which i never thought i would you know know what at least that movie tried to do some different things and tried to take some bold new directions it fell on its face and hard but when you compare that to something like age of apocalypse that seems almost lazy in comparison because they don't do a damn thing new <laughs> Where all these other comic book movie companies are, you know, trying to shake things up and keep it new and interesting, and you know, trying to make the genre from going stale. I I think in many ways, X Men Apocalypse is the fear that some of the more hoity-toity film critics have, where it's like, oh, this superhero genre will run out of gas eventually. If they keep making ones like this, yeah, 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 because <laughs> it really did feel like there was no passion and no love put into it. They're like, you know, we we're doing this because we got to check boxes and because our studio needs a thing out this year. Yeah, yeah. So we need a movie out this year because Marvel Studios has one coming out this year. So and, yeah, and we've seen it before. And like, I I will happily say, X Men Apocalypse is head and shoulders above stuff like Fan Four Stick and you know, like Amazing Spider Man Two. And a lot of this other stuff. Heck, it's even above Wolverine Origins and X3. But, I mean, that's that's basically saying, you know, in in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Yep. <laughs> if, if it's a backhanded compliment, it's still a compliment. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's worse things you could do with a hot summer day than go to a nice air-conditioned room and watch a bunch of pretty lights for a little bit. But, I mean, if, you're, if you ask for something deeper from your entertainment, you're not going to get it from X-Men Apocalypse. Thank you. Go watch Nice Guys instead. Yeah, go watch Nice Guys instead. Did you see Nice Guys yet? I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet because um, I've been so, so busy, but I'm going to be seeing it probably end of this week or next week, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, there you go. So I guess with that, everyone, we've talked for a good chunk of time now. A really good chunk of time. In fact, I'm yeah. probably going to have to cut two halves of these together. God damn, it's going to be a long show. That's what happens when you have two massive comic book stories and a spoiler cast in one show. <laughs> <laughs> so you fans are friggin' spoiled this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess that'll do it for me and Matt. We'll bring the show to a close. As always, if you want to support what me and Matt do, check out the Cape Joel Patreon. It helps us out a lot. If you want to listen to the show uh, before anyone else, become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. You'll support the making of the show and the making of videos. Get a bunch of great content. I caught up on Game of Thrones and did vlogs on all the new episodes. Those are nice. up as patron exclusives. A bunch of other fun shit is up for patrons. Uh, if you want to listen to the show on Tuesday, I usually upload it late on Podbean, you know, so continue to get those Podbean things going up. Be sure to leave your likes there. Lots of people are following us to Podbean, and I think that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And, uh, yeah, geez, I, I guess that'll do it for us. Any any parting words, Matt, before I end this? 
Uh, yeah, no, as Joe said, just come check me out on Fortress of Solitude. Please Got some do. pretty cool comic reviews coming up soon. And, yeah, keep an eye out for all that Rebirth stuff that's coming out. Oh, God, it's, it's going to be big. It's going to be big, I can tell. Yeah. Bye-bye, everybody. See ya.